0: Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza. And on this episode of the Your Life Your Term show, we chat and catch up with our good friend Pierre-Paul Tourjean. He is an expert of all things multifamily unit investing. He's got a he's an ex-CMHC guy, if you've never heard of him before. We wanted to get an update on what's going on in the Alberta market. Last time we spoke to him, it was not going so great out there. So we wanted to catch up, just get the latest, because as you probably know the Ontario market is blowing up. It's basically bananas. Our good friends at the Bank of Canada and in this government are telling us that everything is in order, no need to control anything. And on the streets, we are seeing property prices increase like we never have before. So this is, interesting. This is going to be very interesting to see where all this is headed. Um, and when I say good friends at the Bank of Canada, I'm joking. We don't know a single person at the Bank of Canada. Um, but uh, we're very fascinated to see where all of this leads. So, So on this chat, we talk all things multi-unit investing and all things Alberta. Good guy, Pierre Paul is a friend of the show. He does different workshops teaching you about multi-unit investing. So if you want to learn more about that, listen in for the URL at the end of the show and you can find out about that. And if you are wanting to get in on the real estate investing stuff going on in the GTA in Ontario, and you're thinking to yourself, how the heck am I gonna do this? Property prices are crazy. Is anyone even making rent? Is uh, rent covering costs? Or is there cash flow opportunities for real? Does it work? Does it not work? If you wanna learn more, you can get all the information That you are looking for at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's rockstarinnercircle.com. You can go there and you can find videos and reports and books, um, access to our training classes. Everything that we put out is available on that website, www.rockstarinnercircle.com. That is enough with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real Estate business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick carazza Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are recording and we are with Pierre-Paul Turjanat. He's a friend of the Your Life, Your Term Show um i don't know how i can't even remember how we cross paths but now you're one of the our favorite people to chat with how's
1: that oh so uh, I, we, I love, I we love we love getting crossed paths. you know how julie broad introduced us years oh, ago that's right that's right got soon. it i'm gonna say roughly
0: yeah that's right I totally forgot about that it's funny because i'm talking to julie broad tomorrow what a freaky time that's that's it's freaky timing on that holy smokes
1: she's a mom
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're back up in Canada right now. I don't know if I'm allowed are to they? say that or not. They are. They are. Yes. For good? Canada's a Canada. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I just think right now. Um, but uh what's the latest with you? Are you blazing new ski trail? Like, you know, you li- listen. Listen, we're in Ontario. We don't even we can't even go ski. We don't even have any mountains out here as you know. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. the ski hills that we do have and they're tiny little hills, they're closed. So we can't even go there, but I do have some people that I won't mention by name who I know are flying out to the Western part of Canada and they're enjoying the skiing out there and then they're coming back to Ontario. (laughs) So I know that's happening. Are you getting out on the hill? What are you doing? Are you hiking?
1: Sunday went with my wife to Sunshine, which is in Banff, uh, just a few minutes, 20 minutes past Banff, with the way to Louise. Beautiful, amazing, stunning day. Stunning day skiing. Thank God we have the mountains. And as you said, the ski, uh, the ski resorts are open. So it's a saving grace. There's no doubt about it. Uh, one resort, so we, we got a pile of snow. We're still getting a lot of snow. Not I'm in Cochrane, so just outside Calgary. Mountains are 45 minutes west from where I am. Uh, in the Lake Louise area, so I'm trying to get, you know, I still have my microphone because I was shooting video here. Uh, the video, and I have one more to shoot this afternoon, but trying to get my work done. So tomorrow or Friday, I take off middle of the week. Uh, to Louise, expecting somewhere between fifty and seventy centimeters of snow, heaven, 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 heaven. You know, so, I've yeah. never,
0: I've never skied in powder before in my life. I only ski on ice. That's how I. That's when you're from Ontario. Listen, this is something you guys can't do, just so you know. Yeah. You think you have, you are good skiers because you guys can ski in some beautiful powder. Try skiing on the crazy ice hills that we ski on, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so so very... uh,
1: what do you go? You go to Blue Mountain, I think, right? I go you to know? Blue Mountain pretty regularly. Yeah, Blue Mountain, Blue Mountain. Oh, so you've got a lot of moisture there. So I would imagine, yeah, I've been yeah. there three years ago, but uh, once, I think, or twice. But yeah, a lot of moisture, so it turns into ice on the on the yeah lately
0: i'm an expert at uh, getting our dinner reservations and getting there before everybody else and getting my wine and sitting down and enjoying a glass of wine before everybody gets back from the hills so that's that's where i am now i uh but i would love to uh, so uh, one of my friends was just out in, in whistler actually and uh sent me showed me video of the of the of the powder he was skiing in i mean it was to his just under his knee Yep. And so I guess there was a lot of snow recently because I think about uh, six weeks ago there wasn't, but now there's a ton of snow and uh, I just, it looks amazing. I honestly, I, I would be a little scared. I, I'm not, i not skied in that much powder, so I don't know how it would feel. You know, you I just, need, I don't know. Need, how.
1: Uh, you need snow, uh, you need wider skis, right? Obviously you need. Uh, you yeah, need yeah. Gonna
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're going to sink. Yeah. No, but yeah, we yeah, get out it. a yeah. lot.
1: I've had uh, Tom so far. So what is it? February 3rd. Uh, I've had uh, 10 days. Of skiing yet so not bad we had a great start very early start then for the last few weeks we didn't have much snow uh, but now it's coming down like crazy so la nina is, is has arrived by the way la nina do you know la nina There's yeah, no, I... and then la nina yeah i don't think i know much about la nina okay. la nina no. is what She's bringing it's uh, in Spanish it means the girl, the little girl and it's bringing a lot of snow like I, I can't explain scientifically or meteorologically the phenomenon but they weren't sure at the beginning of the month because we are t- attuned to the climate because we're skiers right before we go out we need uh, you know you know we're connected to, to nature this is a lot of what my family and myself we do. So we always check the uh, uh, you know weather forecast. And they didn't know at the beginning of January whether, that pattern would come or not towards us. And now it's confirmed, it's actually right here now, this week is confirmed. So Ladina is gonna bring in a lot of moisture when the air, like I said, I'm not, not the best at explaining this, but when that air comes from the Pacific or the mountains, it's dumping a lot of snow. Like did you hear from Lake Louise going towards Jasper, which is the Icefield Parkway, they're expecting between 50 and 70 centimeters Tom this is like this is like oh yeah that
0: I have a friend who lives down in Lake Tahoe and he just sent me a picture of his uh, SUV totally covered like you could barely I guess it was kind of like a snow drift that went over the driveway there as well but they they got something like that and he he was just snow blowing his way out of this thing and I'm like holy smokes that's the kind of snowfall that you just give up on Like I'm just going to stay home. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll chill out here, but it's also kind of exciting here. You know where we get out here right now in the Toronto area, we're getting like from minus five to plus two. So it's horrible because any snow that does land, then it starts melting a few days later gets all slushy. So you're in this like no man's land. I'd rather it just stay minus five or something like that. And the snow just stay on the ground, not this kind of in between level, but all the, uh, all the different retention ponds in Oakville, the kids are just attacking them like crazy because there's nothing to do. They're all playing hockey. So like, if you go, if you see one of the ponds, you see Canadian kids playing hockey right across the pond, like because everyone's home. Yeah. It's beautiful. I wish I had a picture to show you like amazing, amazing. And one of the guys on our team, Mike, in his backyard, there's a big, big pond and there's just, Tons of kids, hockey sticks and nets, and they're playing out there. Then there's also the officers who come and chase them all off because, you know, they're not supposed to be on there.
1: Social um, that's what that's
0: what also has been going yeah that's yeah that's what also has been going i think it's under the name of uh it's not safe to play on the ice that's the signs they're putting right. up yeah. but i don't recall them being so aggressive with this before i guess because everyone's home so everybody around here i think it's because it thinks it's really because of the social distance i shouldn't say everybody but uh, a bunch of people i know are like yeah they're just chasing them off because of the social distancing stuff but uh sure anyway i'm I, it's fun to see them out there playing but uh so tell so what's I don't know if you know, the real estate market out here has been going gangbusters. The headlines will show, yeah, okay. So, because in Toronto, what's happening, some of the headlines are showing Toronto and Vancouver. You know how Toronto-Vancouver always gets the big headlines, right? Toronto-Vancouver. So the headlines are, yeah, Toronto rents are down in the condo market and that's like the big headline, but in the outskirts, so let's call it 45 minutes away from downtown Toronto, all the communities exploding home prices, exploding rental prices, you know, in some of the communities that we're in, the rental prices are up 7%, 17%, 25%. So these will be communities like Welland, St. Catharines, Kitchener, Hamilton, Peterborough, Barrie, all exploding on rent prices. Um, and the property prices are exploding. Um, and we are seeing the very first signs of some people testing out the Toronto condo market and moving back that way, seeing if there's some opportunities back there. That, that's interesting. We had not seen that until this point yeah so uh, oh, that's what we're seeing out here
1: what i mean you know as you know when we're not in the pandemic situation i get out to ontario quite regularly i'm like you i know, read the news so no i'm aware same things happening out here uh house prices are going through the roof so the residential market is really hot same difference here no difference uh, at all uh, with what you're experiencing i mean maybe maybe less because we don't have the population that you guys have but same, same phenomenon house prices are on the way up Uh, It's not a market that I follow particularly because I'm a homeowner, but uh, same idea is happening here. This is across Canada is my understanding as well. So yeah, we're experiencing the same phenomenon. Obviously, you guys in Toronto had the condo market downtown where people wanted to get out of downtown. So I could see that those prices are low. Now people wanted to maybe consider going back. We don't have that phenomenon here that I'm aware of, uh, but certainly the, the, the housing market single home housing market is on fire. Same as you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And
0: then what about, because, because I know you know the multi-unit uh, area yeah, like no one else. Be, so what you know,
1: So what, what? do you see? What are you seeing there? What's happening in that space? Uh, well, you know, the buildings that, and, you know, this the kind of stuff that I, yeah, that stuff I research a lot. And as, you know, I was mentioning to you, I'm going to have a workshop and, uh, in the next few weeks, uh, virtual workshop that is. But so I do follow the market. And
0: when's the workshop? <laughs> to share the date. So, 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 we, sorry, because you. 28th. February
1: 26th. 26th. Yeah, to afternoon, full afternoon, February 26th to the 28th. But the point is, I'm using some of that data in my marketing. Um, It's very cool, Tom. You're going to appreciate this. During COVID-19, what we're experiencing, what the multifamily market is experiencing is exactly what I saw in 2008, 2009, when I was still an underwriter at C. okay, Uh, in the sense that. Apartment buildings are very resilient. Interest rates, remember that back then in 2009, also dropped significantly. Do you remember how much? I think roughly back then, I think they dropped by about a point and a half in 2009, something like that. We never recovered those interest rates level at that level. I no, the, the, we, yeah, right around
0: then, right before they dropped, we had some investors getting rates and they were complaining bitterly at like 5.1%, 5.2%. Yeah, that's, that was kind of like the peak right around there. Maybe the odd person got 5.6 or something like that, but I would say in the fives and remember. then shortly after that, then it started just coming down and down and down.
1: Yeah. And I think back then it dropped by a point and a half, I think, in early 2009 during the recession. So, what bottom line to answer your question is apartment buildings continue more than ever uh, to be a great asset class, resilient against shocks like this, Um, especially, particularly class B and C buildings, right? Not the newer stuff. I was just, I just got a stat a couple of days ago. Uh, the newer apartment buildings tend to have more vacancies in times of crisis because people's income is less. So they kind of gravitate towards the class B and C buildings, right? So class A buildings are experiencing a little bit more vacancies. Overall, cap rates fairly stable valuations. I'm talking about the impact of COVID-19. Of course, we could talk about the impact of the downturn in Alberta, which is extremely prolonged. It's historical. Values have come down, you know, in the last five or six years. But specifically resulting from COVID, very little drop in value. Uh, and vacancies is also fairly flat. So it's a great asset class. Like I said, this is my, what, third uh, recession. And this one is pretty severe. So the sky isn't falling. Uh, but we are not in position to increase our rents. So that's the status for, uh, I would say, uh, you know, Saskatchewan and Alberta in particular. You know, we rents have dropped and we haven't been able to... Uh, reincrease our rents, unfortunately, and expenses. Uh, operating expenses are going through the roof, unfortunately. Especially, I'm sure you know, uh, insurance uh, premiums have gone through the roof. So that's sort of what we're experiencing. But the sky isn't falling, but you know. But if you compound that with the uh, the pr- prolonged downturn, you know, many times I've been on your show with the uh, you know the decrease in the price of oil. Uh, that uh, that situation has not changed. I mean, the price of oil is around $50, which is kind of a healthy point, right? But COVID had an impact in the sense that no, none of us are traveling anymore. Uh, so, uh, but it is at a healthier place where it was, I think, probably two, three years ago, in one of these interviews that I did with you. So we're at a better place. But a lot of small players have left the market, have been bought out or went bankrupt, unfortunately. So you have a a significant consolidation of the big players like the Suncor, the Canada Natural Resources Limited, CNRL, they're the big players. Uh, So there's been some mergers and some foreign, uh, you know, oil and gas companies have left the country, sold their assets to Canadian companies. So in a sense, the health of the oil and gas uh, sector is better now, the strong players are remaining. Uh, before, I don't know if you were recording, you we're telling me about one of your friends who's going to be converting uh, those, uh, you know, the, the leftover energy from the flares from the oil wells, right? So uh, there's a lot of projects like that, that Alberta is going to become the next hydrogen, uh, you know, capital in Canada and all that. So, you know, there's hope as well, but it's, it's still very, very challenging. Uh, we need some good news in Alberta but the sky isn't falling. How's that? I feel like, I feel like Alberta, and, and I'm not an expert in the
0: energy sector of this country at all. Um, it just seems to me from an outsider looking in in Alberta that we have this gem here in Alberta. And as a country, we're not paying attention to it. And perhaps someone's gonna to listen to that and just hate me for saying it for reasons that I'm not even aware of, but it, it, it feels to me that there's something in Alberta that we should be focusing on as a country. And it seems like we're just left to the whim. You know, there's a new administration in the U.S. And I know I think the Biden administration, I think, is killing officially the, the Keystone Pipeline or yeah. Keystone Pipeline. And I and, and it just seems like then, you know, everybody kind of cries over it and stuff. I'm like, well, where are the leaders? Like, where are the leaders? Because like, <laughs> if we have something, no, I know you're laughing because I guess this is maybe obvious to you, Pierre Paul, but I'm just thinking, if we have this thing in Alberta, that seems to be like a gem, but then we just leave it to like flare around a little bit. It's frustrating to me. Um, And I know you're on board and and, and anyway, I'm just confused, but but, uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you go ahead. Uh, On the Keystone news, any other pipeline development news since we've last spoke that we should be
1: aware of? uh, It's interesting. Keystone initially, I thought, uh, Let's put this back in perspective, Tom, right? We're all real estate investors. I'm at it full time as you are, and you're, you're a realtor as well and all of that. But for me, never call me, a, n- please never call me a realtor. Okay. I'm, no, I'm, I'm
0: joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I'm joking. I'm Toledo. J- I just like
1: to make that joke. No, no, no um, God, we're good. You know, for me, it, it's important as an investor, I had a significant transformation because I was investing in real estate and I was doing my thing. Like you guys are doing your thing. Irrespective of that macroeconomic picture, I was not knowledgeable in the oil and gas. The reason now I am, and I think you know by now in your audience, uh, if they listen to this podcast and the other interviews I've done with you, I I, daily now, I follow the oil and gas because I find, I, I have discovered, Unfortunately, I should have done a better job at it before then because I would have definitely structured my investments differently to be better able to withstand shocks like this. Uh, I find it very odd. You remember, I was a m- member of a real estate association, which shall remain nameless, right? But that was very prominent, in on Bloomberg, a particular gentleman that shall remain nameless. Everybody was saying, "Buy, buy, buy, buy real estate in Alberta." You know, the sky's the limit, and all of that. Uh, when I think, and, and, and when I think back of that particular entity that I was a keynote speaker on multifamily uh, properties investments. Uh, I think they failed us to some extent, especially when they had been in the business for so long. Okay. I want to point out some of these failures because it's written in the sky. It's a a primary resource industry and it has cycles up and down, just like real estate. So, you know, you got to, but oil and gas in particular, real estate is like that as well, cyclical, but it should have been factored in. So there's one thing that I learned, don't give too much power to others. Use your brain, your own discernment and judgment. All right. Now, this one you're gonna like even better. Same freaking thing in my office at CMHC, Tom. I find that CMHC somewhat failed the system because two, they have history about all these cycles. You would think they would, right? So so at the end of the day, I, I can't wait till the better days come because they will come. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger as they say. And for me, I'm a much savvier smart investor than I ever was before, precisely for that. So I take that lesson uh, you know, gladly, although it's a long stretch. We're talking six years of you know, not e- being able to increase our rents while operating expenses go up. So I don't have control over that. You try to improve your marketing. You try to upgrade your suites to cater to what tenants want and all of that. Uh, you know, but, but there's some solid lessons in there. But I, I tell you something, though, uh, you said we lack leaders. Uh, that's an understatement. That's why I laughed when you said that. Uh, But what I, and I want to get this out of the way. So people to give you a flavor, I think what's going to go on here in Alberta, because I think there's, there's going to be some good news never to what it was uh, before. Like I remember my first building on my own 24 unit building 2008. Do you remember the fall of 2008? I do. Is there something specific? Just to give you a hint, the big short and credit lending Banks were not lending to each other mm-hmm. overnight lending had stopped the credit crunch. Blew. I'll tell you, I'll
0: tell you, I'll tell you something in the spring of um, 07 or fall of 07, Nick and I were at a mastermind meeting in Florida with a bunch of real estate guys that we had known for the US and yeah. we had flown down to chat with them. And it. We walked into Is this meeting. Jim, Jim and uh, no, 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 no. This was Rob Minton's group. This was okay. different, different group. But those are great guys. Those are great guys. Oh, yeah. but, um, but but it was his group. He's from Ohio, but he had the meeting in Florida. We went down there, and we've known these guys for some time. And everybody jokes around and laughs. We walked into this meeting, Nick and I, and it was like they had seen a ghost everybody was sitting there saying the banks have stopped lending. We can't get the financing because before they could get financing by basically fogging a mirror. Like it was, it was a joke. Like we would hear how they would get financing and Nick and I would be jealous. Like, you know how you shouldn't be jealous. Like you shouldn't be jealous of anybody. Right. But Nick and I were genuinely like, oh my gosh, they can just like walk in and, and, and say stated income is this and give me a mortgage and they would get it. And we were like, wow, it's amazing. And they would kind of laugh at our market up here a little bit, not in a bad way, but just kind of chuckle to themselves when we said what we had to go through for financing. But when we saw their fa- the look on their faces then, and I, and I I guess I could go back and figure out if it was spring of 07 or fall, we came back. Um, I sold a bunch of stocks that I had cause I'm like the market, this is not, this is not good. Um, and I needed, right. mo- I needed the money. I needed the money because Nick and I had just started this business, so we knew we needed liquid cash, emergency funds to withstand any shocks. Oh. And we started uh, looking at any properties there. So we were, bu- you know, buckling down the hatches at that time. And then it hit, and it really hit. Bear Stearns, Lehman, the whole thing. So yeah, but you know, yeah, those you were know what weird The price time.
1: of oil was back then, Tom. No, wasn't it like a, was it a hundred and something? One hundred and forty dollars a barrel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm happy, it's at least at 50 bucks a barrel. This is how you measure life in Alberta, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> my, yeah, yeah. yeah. Barrel boil. That's uh, Western Texas Intermediate Standard Oil. But the point is, um, it's it's never going to go back to those pre-2008 years in Alberta. But what I deplore, and I want to get that quick rant because want to remain positive on this podcast, but um, what I deplore, yeah, lack of leaders or leadership, but especially the hypocrisy. Right, uh as you know, through previous conversations we had on this podcast, uh, you know the, the 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 environmental extremists have taken over social media. Like, I'm not denying the premise that we need to do something about the environment. Of course, we do. It's if we need to. It's, it's a must. And I'm a big outdoors fan, as you know. I spend most of my my time in in the outdoors. But it's not going to happen overnight. But the, the, the challenge is. Um, the demand for oil, Tom, has not stopped. It has stopped momentarily because of COVID-19. But do you imagine you and I went the freaking time we can get on a plane, go somewhere to Europe or South America or somewhere. Do you imagine all of us now? So that demand, not only is it gonna get back to where it was pre-COVID, but the rest, do you see any campaigns from the public to reduce consumption? No, that demand has not disappeared. So here's my prediction for your audience. And I I know this for a fact because the signs are This is one of the key things that I want people to remember today. We are going to be facing an energy crisis, the likes of which the last time we have had probably in the 70s, okay, when the OPEC uh, cartel began. The reason being that for the last six, seven years, uh, oil and gas, there's been very little investment in oil and gas production, right? And it takes many years to ramp up production, right? Okay, so you've had that phenomenon. So that's been going on for a while because the current crisis is is caused by the the fact that there was an oversupply because of the shale oil, which is a phenomenon in the last 10 years, okay? And I think i probably said that to you the last time we had an interview. Uh, Shale oil in the US mostly, that's where the revolution took place, but the volume of oil that's pumped out of each well decreases by 30% a year. So how long does it take for one well to be completely emptied out? About three, four, four years, okay? This is happening. Then you got the same stuff going back to 2008, where Wall Street was financing all these wells being drilled in and, you know, it kept the show going on. Well, guess what? You have depletion of these wells, significant one, and of course, Wall Street. So I would not, you know, if you invest on in the stock market and it's related to oil and gas, I'd be a little wary there. Not that I'm an expert when it comes to. But the point is, when this is all over, Tom, and people start traveling again, but Production has not kept up for five or six years. We're going to have some shortages. So there's going to be some good years in Alberta coming back, not to the extent where oil is going to be $140 a barrel. I don't know that, Tom, but no, I'm not an expert either. But it's going to be interesting. So this is my prediction to your audience. We are going to have an energy crisis. uh, It's interesting, just because uh, reading some of the Biden administration's
0: plans for the U.S., they, I believe, are about to or already have put a halt to all new leases for any oil and gas I don't know if the right language is wells or lands or whatever yeah. which to me signals that the they their, their 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 own supply is going to decrease and they're going to become more dependent on foreign oil again because it, with you know with all this new developments they haven't been. So, yeah, maybe, maybe you know, hearing that recently from the Biden administration, hearing what you're saying, maybe that is in the
1: in the pipeline here. <laughs> but this is the hypocrisy, though. Do you see a campaign for people to reduce their own consumption in energy and oil? Absolutely not, Tom. And that's what I'm saying. If we want to save the earth, let's start you and I, you know, driving, our, well, we all are doing our part. It's easier, Pierre-Paul, it's easier eat. to say things than do things. Come Absolutely.
0: on. It's easier to send a tweet. It's <laughs> but, easier to send a tweet than to actually do anything.
1: Yeah, so, but... <laughs> The sheer fact of it, Tom, it, it won't work. You're, you love macroeconomics like I do. Uh, you know it much more than I do. But by simple math, it won't work out because they have stopped producing oil because of the, the, the downturn of the oil price. For so many years, we're going to have a shortage somewhere. And I'd say probably, probably in 22, 23, it's going to be significant. Uh, but, you know, but we need to do something for the oil. There's good projects like your friends. And there's the, another one that I was reading about oil and gas as they pump, especially when Alberta, Alberta used to be all seabed, right? Before, I don't know how many thousands of billions of years, right? So when they pump up oil, they need uh, uh, water and there's a lot of salt and lithium in there. So now they're thinking, Alberta could become a lithium capital to build electrical uh, electric batteries and all of that, right? So, you know, and hydrogen is another source of energy. So. You know, it's a transformation. It's painful, but, you know, i got to be able to look out for opportunities. And for me, uh, definitely uh, good times will return in Alberta. Not, What's not the conversations between,
0: sorry, I cut you off there too early. What did yeah, you, what did you say?
1: Not in... So good not times in... will return in Alberta sooner or later. Uh, there'll be great opportunities, um, you know, in 20, not in 2021, maybe towards the latter part of 2022, but in 2023, I think it's going to be a great year. And from a real estate point of view, if anybody interested in buying in Alberta, values are as low as they're going to go. Like they're, they're flat now. Like I said, they came down significantly when the downturn of the oil began a few years ago, six years ago, uh, but they're, they're pretty flat. Values are fairly stable. So if anybody wants to, to join in, in Alberta, that now is a good time because- and, values- and would
0: you recommend people look at cap rates to, to be analyzing properties or do you, is there a different way that you're looking at the opportunity now in Alberta? Is that, is that still the common denominator for you? What's the cap
1: rate on a, on a building? Sure. Interest rates are very low. So, you know, you can play with that. Look at cap rates. Like I said, cap rates are fairly flat, depending on the class of pr- property that you're looking at buying and all of that. Could you
0: give uh, us a range of cap rates just on different classes of buildings? I, and I know every building, every area, but just okay. to paint the picture, because I think people here are not, most of the people listening are going to be from Ontario. They might not be familiar.
1: Uh, let's say a classy building Calgary, uh, you'll have a cap rate in the low 4%, I would say, uh, You know uh same thing in Edmonton if you're a core area like closer to downtown something like that and then you work your way down uh, a class B building in a different area it's going to be probably about five five and a quarter cap percent cap rate type of thing so you know it just goes down like that depending as you said in the area but it's in that range uh I would say from a class A four percent up to four and a quarter four five and a half percent something like that uh, cap rate so it's pretty reasonable Right. I mean, uh, you can't do that in downtown Toronto. So
0: no, no. Uh, and and then
1: for, for, where for if- it'd be like a hundred. And again, it depends on the, the, type, the asset, the class, the age, the construction type. If it's uh, concrete, obviously it's going to be a higher cap rate and all that. So, but you know, the prices are reasonable. They're, they're not going down anymore. Uh, so they can only go up from here. So from that perspective, you know, and, and, and get, get this. So going back to the, the, the income Canada will need will need the oil because people will have a, a pent-up demand, uh, you know, after COVID and all of that. And you know, the country will need the, the revenue from the oil and gas in this country. As you said, the jam that we have in Alberta, this this country will need that revenue uh, from Alberta uh, to get us out of debt, like we're in. So, there's a uh, uh, there, real estate investing, right? Got to be
0: patient. There's such a demand for lumber. Um I laugh at this one because we're Canada, right? It's not like we don't have a tree or two. And there's such a demand for lumber that uh, some of the contractors that we know out here are telling us that their suppliers are just getting bought up by Americans who are coming up here and buying every available two by four that they can find here. And some of them are literally joking around that they're going to get like a portable kiln of some sort and some saws and just go up into Northern Ontario and start getting, you know, there's more money to be made in some of our lumber right now and the cost of this stuff. And they're, they're, quite concerned that the inventories are being depleted so much that when things do ramp up a little bit again, there's still going to be a shortage. It's almost matching your story about the oil because some, some of the supply chains have been so disrupted in the U S and in Canada here that when the demand fully comes back for different things that they're not going to be able to just turn that back on so that they don't think this is a, this is a short term thing. They think this is like a longer term thing. I was just recently talking to some other um, analysts who look at the Canadian economy and they've been sharing just how some of uh, Canada's saving, you know, the savings rate in Canada is through the roof because no, no one's going to Cabo. No one's going to Hawaii. No one's going anywhere. And and, and then of course, when the economy is closed, you get a little nervous, you keep some more money in the bank and that kind of thing. And then when this comes flooding back and, and on top of that, there's more savings, but then people, because interest rates are so low, the amount of equity people are gaining in their property, you know, when you're making your mortgage payment, you're gaining quite a, when interest rates are, you know, whatever we're going to be talking about, whatever, on a multi-unit, it's going to be different than maybe single family, but they're low. Let's say they're low, right? We know some people getting primary place of residence, single family home mortgages at
1: like 1.4%, if you can believe it. I, so I got one at, uh, I renewed mine at one5 Nine percent. Now, did you? Oh my gosh! And, and on a multifamily, I refinanced for a ten-year long-term, two point zero five percent for ten years. Cheap money today. So ten years. Pay down galore. Lots of equity. Ten years. Paid. The thing that's nice
0: about the ten-year one is you just have peace of mind now. You have peace. That ten-year one's beautiful. That's actually something we used to tell people back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, yeah. when interest rates were coming down, but Canadians in this area still thought the real estate market was about to collapse. Yeah. We were like, hey, we'll lock in your biggest risk. Your big, we know the demands there, yep. you know, for renting, but if the biggest risk is, you know, lock in at 10 years, but the 10 year lock in, then we thought it was good. I think it was like 4.5. We five. We're like, listen, 4.5 is a deal <laughs> for 10 years. <laughs> now you're telling me you're locking in at these rates. But, but what I was going to say there is that the Canadians are also banking a lot of equity because interest rates are so low. So we have this weird environment that like everything's locked down. People are saving more money. Equity is growing in properties. Property prices are going up in in value, definitely in the Ontario area, but in Alberta, you know, you have people doing the same thing, driving demand for the properties. So it's going to be really interesting to see what comes out the back end of this. Do we get the the ripping inflation that some people have talked about, or is it moderate? And will the central banks allow it because they've said inflation has been too low for too long, even though I know that's a bunch of bullshit, but it's been too low for too long. And they said they're going to let it be an average of 2%, not a target anymore. So if it's been under 2%, they're going to let it run hot. So like, are we about to enter a, a place where oil, you know, your theory comes true. Lumber goes further up in price and other things, you know, people go into the economy and start spending. I'm like, where are we headed?
1: Like, where are we headed? You know, my biggest concern when it comes to mortgages, is what happens, standard loan term is five years. What happens back then if rates have gone up? Like that stress test, is it gonna be enough? That's my worry, if you ask me. Don't you think? That's my worry too, that's my worry too. And,
0: and And I have this weird feeling that they're going to change the stress test because here property prices are going up so much that I think there's going to be pressure to get rid of the stress test. And they're going to use the Toronto-specific real estate prices as cover to do it. Even though the outskirts and other parts of Canada are exploding, they're going to say, well, Toronto, Vancouver, were the hottest areas. They're now a little bit, you know, they're coming down. So we can ease up this stress test a little bit. I have a weird feeling. I don't even agree. I don't even agree that we should be doing this kind of stuff. But I have a weird... I have a weird feeling that they're going to use that as cover to say, ah, we need to do this to let more people get an opportunity to buy properties. And then where does that take us? Scary scary territory. Scary territory. And then and and then, you know, does that mean like does that mean? You know, if if I use, if I use Hamilton as an example, because that's a place that we did a lot in, you know, so we're, you know, we're almost priced out of Hamilton, still a great area, but it's it's almost getting crazy. But we were buying single family homes there for like $220,000. When it went to 240, there was a couple of members of the rockstar team who thought, whoa. Whoa whoa, are we we're too high here You know we can never and now those properties, same properties like 650, right? Yeah. So 10 years goes by this thing almost triples. Um, wow. And uh, does that mean 10 years from now we're tripling that same home like is that home now like so What we're, we're talking what 1.8 1.9 million? Wow like, I'm, I, and by the way, I'm not agreeing with that. I'm not even saying that's gonna come true. I'm just throwing that out as a thought experiment. Yeah. Like, does, is that where we're he- like is that where we're headed? And well, then what, what are, what, but, but then the income levels to buy that don't, don't increase that much. Or do we finally get the income to increase enough to, to compensate for some of this? Like, it, it's just not, out of, you, you know, when things just right?
1: don't add up anymore. You know, who's going to buy those homes, it's going to be the immigrants that, that live multiple members of, within the family. They'll be buying those because when they open up the floodgates to immigration, that's what they'll be doing. Right. And that, and that, and, and if I think of how some
0: of my own family lives in Croatia, it is multiple generations who live together. Like that is a a very normal thing in many other parts of the world. It's just not been normal here. Yeah, well, I think it's going to become... And and I don't know if I should say normal, but not typical. Not typical. But
1: that might be a more typical thing, sure. I don't know, because I I think you guys are gangbuster already. You were before the pandemic. I think it's only going to go in the same direction, if not more, once they open up the the taps of uh, the floodgates for immigration back. You know, back to southern Ontario, back to Canada, generally speaking. But that's where people wind up to a large extent, right? GT area. So I think that's yeah, going to be interesting. But what other conversation? You always in? say that you got to be cautious. Real estate is real estate. What goes up at some point comes down. There's, you know, you, once you told me about your family sister as well. Uh, you know, there are challenges in real estate investing. So you always got to be careful, right? You got to always. Plan to I,
0: I, I was just, I was just speaking to a doctor here in the Oakville area. Sixty years old. His. Father-in-law, who's no longer, no longer, you know, with us, no longer around, um, went completely bankrupt in 1990. He owned something uh, uh, to the tune of 2,000 doors in multi-unit, um, wow. so huge, huge holder of real estate, but overleveraged, overleveraged, and went completely bankrupt
1: in 1990. Right, so yeah, and, it's, it's, and it's, you got to be clear while you're doing it, right? But again, it's it's uh, like I said. You tell me when I got here in t- 2002, I would have never believed that Alberta would be where it is at now. So it can happen anywhere. You just never know, right? You just never. Know. What what's the conversation that Albertans
0: are having between themselves? Like in Alberta right now, like what's the conversation? Because I, you know, here the conversation is, holy smokes, can the, can real estate prices keep going like this? You know, and it's a lot about um will the population growth continue is that something that will continue or will it not will real estate prices these are big themes that people are having these questions here will where people flock back to toronto does this trend continue outwards of toronto these are the kind of topics what are what are some of the conversations in alberta is it about the energy prices
1: oh yeah no it's negative tom it's very hard it's very down it's very negative talk right i mean i mean we we feel like battered by by our leaders, by our Prime Minister, nonstop, and like you said, Keystone. Although I don't think it's the end of the world, Keystone, because we're going to have that Trans Mountain pipeline going to the West Coast, and, you know, in 2023. So, but it's very, it's very negative. Like people are losing jobs, and uh, we don't feel much support from our our federal government, right? I don't like the approach by Jason Kenney. He's very negative as well, and you know, he's got to try to look like he's doing something. So he's got a negative kind of approach to things, you know, creating a war room and all of that. It's, it's negative stuff. So I, I wish you would be more innovative, but the mood is very bad. It's very negative in Alberta. Tom, it's one bad news. Like I said, this downturn, we're into the sixth year of this downturn. That's a long stretch. It began in 2015. In the real estate market, there's always a lag, right? We started feeling in 2016, but we're, you know, uh, other than the single home market now, that's, you know, because of COVID, we're experiencing the same as you guys. Values are going up. But otherwise, overall, we're talking job losses, constantly negative news as these mergers take place in the, with the oil and gas companies, uh, you know, that means more jobs are being shed. So it's a negative mood. It's not a fun mood. Luckily we have the mountains to go and escape to, but no, it's not fun. Uh, This place used to be Tom, when I got here in 2002, I had never seen such a dynamic place. It was amazing. And people working their butts off, like, you know, uh, even, you know, uh, infrastructure works like, uh, you know, weekends and it was so vibrant. You know, it's like it's night and day now. It's 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 depressing. <laughs> so the talk is not very positive. Yeah, but you know, the opportunity that with COVID, so it's a tough, tough time. There's no doubt.
0: So, so okay, so other than looking at the bigger pictures, like a more macro environment to to uh protect yourself with some of your real estate decisions knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently with some of your buildings? Would, would it just be better cash reserve? Let's say we couldn't move them. You know, I'm, so I'm, I'm removing the macro. Like, so you couldn't say I would move some buildings because of the energy changes. Just on the fundamentals, would you have more of a cash reserve? Would you lock in interest rates for longer? Yeah, can you talk about that a little I, bit? I
1: okay. and, and by the way, when I teach this stuff, I hold nothing back. So it's important, right? We're teachers, you're a teacher as well. when we speak and educate others, I would definitely lower all my loan-to-values, less leverage, less less leveraging, because the music can always stop. And that's what I'm saying. I I, I blame, to some extent, I, I take responsibility because I gave too much power to that real estate association that I was part of that kept saying, buy, 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 without any limitation. And like I said, structurally, system, system, systemically, I guess CMHC, I think, failed to put more buffers in there. But it is unique, such a long downturn. So I would... Uh, knowing what I know now, I always had cash reserves. Like I'm a meticulous kind of investor when it comes to that uh, reserve fund, call it uh, uh rainy fund, whatever you want to call it. No, and as you know, I'm an expert at assessing the asset from the risk point of view. That's my job. That's my expertise from a physical condition. So I never had bad surprise about a roof caving on me or anything like that. I'm very meticulous, right? It's very systematic how I approach these things. Uh, so that wasn't the issue, I think. Um, and it's not like he even over leveraged uh, these assets. I never went to full uh, full loan ba- loan to value, but I could never. actually, my average was about seventy five percent. But I think knowing, like I said, if I had known the oil industry better, which I do know now, I would probably not exceed sixty five percent loan to value on all my uh, my deals, which m- would have meant that I needed to raise more capital to acquire these assets. But again, and it's funny because I just uh, just before I called you, I still have the microphone, yeah, I was recording a, a master class on how to finance your deals right like a pro and one of the things that i teach people is why are you in it for like is it for cash on cash return on investment Do you want cash flow if you want more cash flow borrow less but that means you've got to come up with more capital up front like you gotta but you need to decide as an investor what's your tolerance for risk how far you want to push the envelope and all of that right but i think knowing what i know now which i think CMHC and that you know some of the real estate associations should should have put more a damper on telling people buy, buy, buy. That's what I would do differently, Tom. I think the assets that I have, I like them. They're stabilized, they're nice. Uh, I don't have surprises from a, a, the property risk factor point of view, like physical condition. Like I said, not, not no surprises there, but knowing the risk for such high volatility. But then again, hindsight is always twenty twenty. It's never happened to this extent in a hundred years of the oil and gas industry in Alberta. Such a prolonged downturn. We've had recession 2009, you know, yeah, we we had we had to you know increase uh, lower our rents a little bit and stuff, but it was within a year and a half we recovered. This is six years in the making. So bottom line, and I I, and I think back of your story, your your family, and I think back of another friend that I have, here, third generation real estate uh, property managers and they own real estate portfolio, multi-family properties. They lost everything as well. Just you know, it's real estate investing put a good dose of caution in there when you structure your, your deals, you know, put more or uh, less leveraging and stuff like that. So definitely that's what I would do. But I came in during the great years where the music was playing and everybody was dancing and, you know, it was money on the streets everywhere and people yeah, buy properties <laughs> in British Columbia and the Okanagan and yeah, you yeah. would believe the, the oil and gas, the money that some of these people have, including friends of ours that we hang out with, is ridiculous. You I saw be- a
0: little yeah. bit. Yeah, I never really saw it in a big way. But okay, and what about the types of uh, units? Is it, Looking back now, we were always told that two bedrooms were always the sweet spot. Like not too many bachelors, not too many three bedrooms, two bedrooms. Is that something still that you
1: agree with? Uh, interestingly enough, vacancies in times of difficult times right now, two bedrooms tend to be units like our apartment buildings. Uh, are renting more easily because people shack up together, but it depends what the market wants. Uh, So I think what I like personally, and I'm pretty good in that regard, my apartment buildings are like that, uh, a good suite uh, mix, right? Like uh, two bedrooms and one bedroom, maybe a few bachelors, a few studios. But uh, I have one that's a 38 unit building. I have 36 two bedrooms and two bachelors. Uh, It's doing really well. Like I said, people in times of tough times, they shack up together, but- okay. Even though the other buildings that have more one bedrooms are not, my vacancy is pretty good. Uh, You know, it's about probably four or 5%. So within the average. Would you, uh, for somebody looking at multi-units, maybe just
0: starting to grow their portfolio in that direction, would you recommend maybe staying away from
1: anything with elevators just to reduce some possible maintenance? Like do yeah, anything so far, is just walk-ups? And, you know, not necessarily if the demand is for that kind of asset. The thing is you've got to research your market, Tom, right? What, what, what's the market wanting? What do tenants want? You know, so no, but you got to allocate. I think it's uh, a couple hundred bucks a month uh, for maintenance or something like that for an elevator. So you want to factor that in, but it's not. It's not a negative thing at all. I, I would not shy away from an apartment building with uh, an elevator. It's just uh, no. I think it's uh, so. The biggest, thing is lever- the biggest thing is leverage. leverage. The biggest thing is leverage. Biggest. If if I were to do it differently, and um, it used to be that when the market is always ascending. You'd refinance all the other lessons, not over leveraging, not that I did though, uh, but maybe maybe in the sense that what I did, because you think when you're in an in ascending in a, in market phase, you think the music is never going to stop. And what we used to do in the old days, we used to refinance, re-increase the loan amount. So in that sense, re- you know, over leverage a little bit, right? Because you think, well, you're going to be able to increase your rents, and DEX your rent uh, by the inflation rate every year and, you know, and so on to cover your expenses. So I, I, I think now I'd be definitely way more conservative. Uh, and anyways, if you go see MHC refinancing or refinancing, uh, they, they do uh, since last summer uh, limit the use of equity takeouts, what you do with the equity takeout funds to uh, buying another asset or doing construction. You know, upgrades or something like that, or making your building more energy efficient. It used to be that when you did an equity takeout, until last July, when that directive came from CMHC, whatever equity takeout funds you had, you could do whatever you wanted with them. No longer now. The, the, the use of those equity takeout funds is limited.
0: Restricted. What what about could you could you do it right now if you're if you're approved for it and just sit on the access uh, excess cash? Oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. You so you can do that. I am doing that.
1: Okay, because that, that's something that would come to mind for me. I'm like, you know what? Refinance what if you now, can. Okay. I, okay. I think right here, that's what I'm doing. Uh, I am using the money for some. This is how big of a. I was gonna say,
0: these smokes! Uh, yeah, your documentation
1: is a little bit better yeah. than our documentation. Oh yeah, no, mine is perfect. I of that <laughs> that so was an encyclopedia. What uh, that's what I'm doing. That's the strategy I'm using uh, because cash flow is tighter. So let it sit on it. Once in a while, I do some upgrades, but the market is changing as well. And I think this applies to you guys as well. What tents want, you know, we're moving increasingly, uh, you know, towards a society of uh, renters, like my kids, probably my daughter, she's trying to get into med school next year. Uh, you know, so I don't know if I'm gonna be able to afford a house, right? Given what you just said as well and what's going on across Canada. Uh, but so, so what do renters want? So I am using some of these funds to upgrade my units, with nice vinyl planks like I have in my house, uh, you know, stainless steel appliances, trying to read the market right to provide that kind of type of accommodation that the market uh, wants. So that's what you. But I am very cautious now. Like I said, Tom, I'm going to come out of this on top. Like I'm not, in, I'm not in desperate but it is not a nice place to be, but the lessons I'm learning, watch out. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about 2021 and, you know, uh, using the lessons I've learned being more, uh, more sophisticated mm-hmm. investor. Cause you know that Tom, you've been doing this with. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's interesting Carter. what you're talking about
0: because when Nick and I got into this and and started realizing that there were other investors in Canada, so this is like early 2000s. And there was not really, we weren't connected to a whole bunch of people, but we started meeting people who talked to us about doors. And they said, well, how many doors do you own? How many doors do you own? And I always got confused by that. And I think it was because of our family's history. I always thought, how much access to liquid cash do you have? Because it was the access to liquid cash that really hurt our family. And, and to me, it was never about maximizing the doors. I was always like, well, I don't know, let's say I own two doors and they're fully paid off those two doors <laughs> versus your 20 doors that are leveraged uh, who's better off here. And so I just, in our minds, we were always confused by that type of thinking. And I think we thought back then we were in the wrong. We thought we didn't get it. We're like, oh, I guess we're like missing something. Cause we were so conservative. Yeah. We were so, so conservative. We were so like. Well, no, no, like, okay, let's get a credit line on that property if there's equity and then we'll just sit on that cash. We'll use it for reno. You know, we'll reinvest back into the asset, of course, but let's always leave this kind of big meaty buffer. And I think it's just been, we had been so scarred. You know, I I think you have those moments in life where you're just so, so scarred, you know, over, over these moments. And I can't remember, you know, I don't know if we've shared this publicly or not, I can't remember if I have. I don't know. I'm slightly hesitating to say it right now, but you know, the 1990 was a point that ultimately was a reason that our parents got divorced. You know, and I, I think I've probably shared that before. I don't know why I feel like I'm hesitating now, but so that that was like, you know, that, that I was 17 uh, back at 1990, and then the next six years, the real estate market went down for six years. So from 17 to 23, which to me are very formative years in yeah. a young adult, I just saw kind of pain and devastation.
1: <laughs> but, but, but look at you now. Though. No, no, Maybe but you know. we don't
0: have all the answers. No, that's kind of you to say, and I'm not sure we know all the answer
1: It just formed us in a certain way.
0: But right? that's what
1: I'm saying to you, Tom. It's the same message I'm taking telling you, your audience, right? We get all excited, right? Like I said, you know, the music was playing, bye bye real estate. And you know, like I said, there was money, there was gold on the streets of Alberta. And you know what? The music can always stop. So you got to be prepared. And I and and yeah, and he, my next phase as a real estate investor, uh, which I'm trying to figure out what it is that I want to do next direction. And uh, but I'm excited because my gosh, I, I'm not the same person I was. So what doesn't kill you, as I said earlier, makes you stronger.
0: Well, so the I'm wisdom, concerned. the wisdom that you have now, and the perspective, and the experience, <laughs> and what you're, and you're so willing to share. Most people will hide different things. No, people no, no. won't share their pain, right? No. But I, I want to share one other thing that's just coming to mind talking to you that I I feel for all of us in Canada and almost in the world right now because if it's very easy to say, okay, be very careful on your real estate investing now. But at the same time, when I see what the government's doing, devaluing our currency, I'm like, okay, you know, we, you have to be so careful, but yeah, go get some hard assets. It, it, you're, you're like, you're, you're tied because, you know, it, when you're a different spot in life financially, it'd be very easy to tell people, well, don't get any real estate right now. It's a little crazy, slow down. But at the same time, you know, if you're starting out and, and the, 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 the devaluation of the dollar continues as it has been, let's say, well, then you kind of have to get in and you have to do it smartly, like you're saying. And, and I feel for everybody because it's crazy. Like it, it's literally, none of us should be armchair economists. None of yeah. us should worry. Like I have a few friends who recently were able to sell one of their properties and they had a quite good cash windfall. Now they're petrified petrified, because they're sitting on cash. Imagine that, Pierre Paul. They're upset and scared because they're sitting on, quote unquote, too much cash. Which might be uh, worth not much. Which might not be worth much, uh, you know, in, 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 in two days. <laughs> I'm joking. Okay. I'm not, not that fast, I, but, but you know what I mean. So, so we have this undercurrent of, there's almost this unconscious anxiousness in okay. all of us, whether it's in Alberta or Ontario, because yeah. in Ontario everybody has this we don't have that energy feeling that maybe that you have in Alberta, but here everybody has that feeling well, what are my kids gonna buy? what are they am I going to be able to get them anything? Are they going to live at home? Do I have to make a side door in my house so that I can make a unit? No really you know what I mean? these, yeah, yeah, yeah. these are the thoughts that everybody's yeah. having, right where Where yeah. are we gonna live? And so it shouldn't be this way. And this is why to me, I flat out blame the central banking system, no individual, because if you're an individual in the central banking system here in Canada, you're probably a rational actor acting what you think is making very rational decisions. It's just the system that you're in is causing all of this pain, and it just frustrates me. It, yeah. it frustrates me that I hear your story and I see people here. You know, here at Rockstar, we'll have, I feel like I'm going on a rant now, Pierre Paul. I apologize. But I, I feel like we have a couple of young 30 year olds that are, are new investors working with someone on our team. Yeah. And the comments that they're making to our own team are like, hey, we have high paying jobs. We feel, you know, good about our jobs, but we have young families. And we feel like we have to join together because we don't even have enough money ourselves individually to buy one investment property. So we have to join together. And not only that, we feel like we have to get in the market even if there's ten or fifteen offers, because how else are we going to make sure our family gets ahead? Yep. And 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 they're nervous.
1: And I so and you just look I around. Think I would be nervous if I was uh, the investors out where you are. Like I said, the music can stop at your end as well at some point. You just never know, right? You, you just fine. never know. and it, But it, it's that balance of it can stop, but if it goes on for another 10 years and you didn't take some action. Yeah. Well, if I were to bet on your market area, Tom, I, I, and I think you would agree with me, I would bet on the market. It's going to go up. Like once this pandemic is over, the floodgates of immigration are going to flock down in Southern Ontario. You, you know that. So I think... Uh, yeah but again everybody's different so make sure you got to be clear about your goals why are you doing it right to begin with but uh yeah younger generations i empathize like i had this conversation with my daughter she says like, how am i going to be able to afford a home <laughs> i don't know i'll try to help you out but i can't talk
0: yeah, like we're just laughing we're laughing and you're not laughing at the situation you're laughing because none of us really know
1: what to do no like how it, sad is that it is very sad it is very sad yeah
0: Listen, and maybe maybe these are just problems. Like I guess someone listening to this who doesn't know either of us say, Okay, grow up guys, there's bigger problems than this. I just I just like a world where you know, somebody can can live exactly they want or the way they want to live and not have to worry about their savings. That's all. I just want be able, people to be able to save money and focus on what they want to do in life. And the, yeah. the very act of saving some money is enough to get them financial security. Like, I would love that world. Instead, we're all worried about all this nonsense in, in real estate yeah. stuff. But um, Pierre, Paul, what, what are... What, so tell us more about the next workshop that you're doing.
1: Yeah, uh, it's going to be February 26th through the 28th. And you know, Tom, they rate very high all the time. They rate like, last one was in October, 9.7. Do you think I'm sitting on my laurels? I'm coming up with new stuff. Uh, over the years, I've, you know, I've got new products, trying to shorten the learning curve of my students, right? That's what we're all after, right? The, wanting to, them to succeed. So I'm trying to pull success stories for my students. I did a bad job at that. Uh, I've got uh, the vault, what I call the vault is a bunch of interviews with mortgage brokers, pest control guys. that's part of being in the landlord business, obviously. And so my student creating a new Facebook uh, group, I have one, got quite a lot of people joining every day. It's like crazy. Uh, But a special Facebook group for my students uh, with ongoing training where I go in and analyze a deal and stuff like that. So really stoked about it. Uh, But it's fun, right? It's all virtual, like what we're doing now. So it's pretty, pretty exciting. uh, You know, so yeah, so that's February 26th. And are are you having people right across the country join, I assume? Yeah, and it's long days. This year, what we're doing, uh, because remember the setup used to be that I take them to a, a physical inspection of an apartment building. Uh, but now people get the on-demand course as well, which by the way, I'm completely that's why I'm using all this technology around me to re-record because it's been five years since I did it. And so now I'm going to improve it and re-record it with better technology honestly. So that's one thing I'm doing. but as part of the on-demand course there is a full video of an inspection with a professional building inspector, great guy, uh, Alan Fezak. So they don't lose anything. Then we have guest speakers, uh, mortgage broker, realtor. Uh, usually, I bring surprise guest speakers as well, like a, a graduate student who succeeded, and you know, to share their story and all of that. So that's coming up. So it, so people don't lose that. But in addition, so they get the online course, early bird pricing, plus the uh, you know the virtual workshop. So it's a it's a, it's a winning combination. But the afternoon of February twenty-six, I'm adding two at least two uh, more case studies. The point is it's experiential, my method of teaching. So we crunched under this one deal. What are my buildings that you follow from beginning to end? How I selected the market? How I assessed the asset? How I financed it and blah, 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 all of that. And then I have a mortgage broker that comes in with more case things once I taught, you know, all the financial concepts, DCRs, cap rates and all that jazz and this year i'm adding because virtually we save time so i'm adding a few more case studies so very intense it's very intense that i'm not going to dispute you know i know you,
0: every everyone who takes it always says you do an amazing job so uh, well, very what's the I'm what's the, the url
1: what's the url how do people where do they go how do they find this if they're interested Mick. multifamilyinvestingcanada.com Mick. multifamilyinvestingcanada.com yeah Mick. and if you're
0: if you're listening to this, we will link to that URL in the show notes of this episode available at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast. If you follow, if you find Pierre Paul's uh,
1: link, you will see that URL in there. Yeah. And I want to share something with you as well. We'll give the link to that. You, I, I asked your permission before I'm going to do a charity activity. Oh uh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. What are you up to? Well, well, first of all, how, how do you keep in shape? I want to tell people, cause we got to end on the positive note. Like, the Alberta, <laughs> we're going to provide you guys it's all yeah so yeah we're, yeah, we're, 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 we're talking about
0: some pain but i think we're just being real i think both of us think that everything is going to work out
1: anyone who's taking action always survives I, I think in times of covid i hope people are taking care of themselves i gotta tell you uh you know you can see the gray beard then you know uh i got more hair than you left but it's, yeah yeah uh, i have it, almost uh, no hair i have almost it's no, it's no hair I, I, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i am in my best shape ever tom i have a Elliptical machine here, like uh, Bowflex, you know, where you run and stuff. Do my yoga every day. I do some weights here at the mini gym. I hardly get out of this place. Luckily, I live in a beautiful acreage with mountain views and, you know, horses and stuff and deer. Uh, But uh, the point is, uh, I signed up for the Polar Plunge X. All right. So if you don't mind, people want to send some money for the Special Olympics in Alberta. I'm going to freaking swim in the Bow River and we'll shoot a video of that. And I'm actually training for this, okay? This is no joke. Uh, This morning, my shower, cold shower, and I live on an acreage. So uh, my water is particularly cold because I have a well, all right? It's cold. Uh, Two minutes and 20 seconds under that water. But I do this when I go hiking in the summer. And this is some, so the point is, you, I hope everybody's taking care of themselves because I'm in the best shape ever. Okay, so, uh, so but, tell me more about the challenge. What are you exactly? So I'm going to swim in the Bull River. The Bull River comes from the Rockies and you know crosses Calgary. I'm going to go and swim in it as a fundraiser. So if you're okay to put the uh, URL, people of course. Can what's what's the they, what's the URL? Say it. Say say the URL. It's just plunge X. Like I, I could. Do you want me to put it in the chat box? Should I try to do that? Was that would that work? No, it probably won't pick up when we put this on YouTube. But plunge X it's a specific, right? So I want you to, so, but I'll take a video of it. I'll swim in it, but you know what guys, it's extremely good for your body. Regardless, I'm doing it because I was already taking cold showers. You know what it does to you? First of all, it improves your blood circulation cold shower and it builds heat shock proteins that help you fight stress. Cold water is good for you. I do this Tom. I can, you know, we talked about sharing videos, but uh, when I go hiking in the summer, uh, you know, like back country, sometimes day hikes, but we make a point of swimming, okay, in those cold icy lakes. Like last year, or as early as July 1st, a July long weekend, we went uh, to Waterton National Park and the water, there's, there's still ice and we swim. But the longest I've been able to do it is 22 seconds. So now this year, I'm hoping to increase my record. And somebody, if you want to look it up, Wim Hof, he's Dutch. Have you ever heard of the Iceman? I was in a conference when he walked in. And
0: at the, okay. on the stage, he got us all to breathe and I was holding there my breath. I was holding, works. yeah, that stuff works. He had us holding our breath longer than I ever thought impossible. There you go. And he, he That's did what it I'm just in a short for. period of time. Yeah,
1: yeah, That's got it. for,
0: Plunge X. Anyway, we'll
1: put the so URL. It's a
0: really Plunge, I'll uh, share the URL, but you think it's plungex.com? No, I, 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 oh,
1: you're not, I don't have it here. Hang on a second. Should I? Oh, oh
0: I'll, let me see. I, yeah, I want to see this thing. Yeah, no, it's
1: okay. I'll share it in the show notes. 2021, and- uh, it says, no, uh, hmm, Plunge X but right. I have the page where I, I, yeah, you send it to me and I'll, I'll, include, it right in up, right I'll include it in the show notes. I'll include it right in the show. notes. if you're up. listening to this and you
0: want to make Pierre Paul suffer and support the cause, um, we, the URL will be in there. We're going to support you. So we'll go on there and, and uh, definitely support you. And, and uh, what, what is it where we're supporting? What's the cost? What did you say? Oh, I forgot. Special I was sold. Olympics. I was already sold. Oh, special Olympics.
1: Olympics, special Olympics for for Albertans, like people with a uh, handicap and so on. I mean, it's just, the my point, Tom, is not so much the fundraiser, but what are you doing? How are we responding to this crisis? Because I don't know how it is in your household. I mean, there's good things happening about COVID, right? I mean, oh, know, definitely. That, I mean, mean, we're I'm discovering of... more trails around my my neighborhood than I ever knew
0: existed. I lived there for 15 years in this one neighborhood. I didn't know that there were so many trails, so amazing trails. So less yeah, no, emails,
1: the... you're getting less emails, probably, or maybe not. You guys are no, you're... we're getting slammed. My email is slammed, people. Right. My email slammed. <laughs> for me, to slow down. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all my kids are home. My university kids that were away at the university. Now they're back home. So we've got a full household. So that's kind of nice. you know. But, but give me point one, point one, point one point more. Point
0: yeah. Point do, do, do something.
1: In a time of crisis to help others, you know, just uh, not just yourself. But wait, one more second. One, one more second. How many seconds are you going to be in the water? Well, I have, I'm training, but I'm hoping if I'm able to do it without training, 22 seconds, like I'm talking swimming in a lake in the middle, there's still ice. So 20 seconds, now this morning, I um, feel like
0: I feel like I, I could do 50. I feel like I could do 60 seconds with no training. I feel like I can come out there and just do 60 seconds how cold is this water?
1: Oh no, it's like this it's coming from the mountain storm. It's like most place most of the river will be. <laughs> I feel like Nick and I need to get in on this action. This
0: sounds like fun. You, think you can do that this for a minute easily. I don't know. I've never no, done I, know, it. I know I'm joking. Obviously, if you're doing 22 seconds, I totally believe you. It's just something that well, if somebody that told training. me if yeah. Yeah. If, if somebody made me a bet and I didn't know that you had said 22 seconds, I would totally say, oh my gosh, I could
1: easily do a minute. Oh. No problem. Listen, I tried it in July, the last July and I, holy crap. I mean, I've, I've got a video of that. It'll look so good in it because I'm whining, but.
0: <laughs> and, and then why did you bring up Wim Hof? Because that's the breathing, uh, the, the yeah. breathing yeah. training yeah. that First, you're doing to prepare for this.
1: Seriously, two minutes. I could have gone longer this morning. You know, at the end of sh- my shower, I could have stayed much longer. Uh, it's amazing. It works. And even before a workout, like lifting weights or anything, it just increases your performance, your ability, but it does good for your blood circulation system, as well as uh, building those heat shock. So from
0: my limited understanding of the Wim Hof method, you're just stuffing more
1: oxygen into your bloodstream, correct? correct. By correct. doing some very intense kind of explanation. Yeah, you kind of get lightheaded because you're over breathing, hyperventilating pretty much, but it, it increases your, your metabolism and your endurance. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's pretty yeah
0: cool. you are. I mean, this is why we like you. You're always up to crazy stuff. No, no, so, but I mean,
1: uh, I thought, you, know, I, I, you know, it's like we're locked in, like, you know, in this house. Luckily, it's a beautiful, very bright house, but uh, we see outside, we see the mountains. But you know what I'm saying? You got you to gotta keep that mind going, right? You got to keep being a better person. So that's what I thought.
0: Pierre-Paul, we always appreciate your thoughts. And you know what? Thank you for sharing as much as you share, because we're all learning from what you're going through. So like, yeah. I know there's a lot that you're going through, but the, your willingness to share everything is not common. So thank you.
1: I really I think you're serving thank you for all of us. Me on. Wish everybody well, I mean, it's tough, right? We, we've got to, you know, you don't know, mean my gratitude rock, I'm show, sure here it is. I think this is a different one, but you know, there's there's, people with a lot of misery we're, we're doing pretty good if you compare you know to the rest of the world so i can't
0: wait to share some wine with you in person yeah i so. had a coffee bailey's here but i didn't see you drink anything oh nice time. no you know what i had an espresso i had an espresso right before right oh, before there you we go. went live there. yeah <laughs> all right Tom, thank Peter you for paul. having me thank, thank you yeah you. Cheers. thank you so much thank okay. you so much take care Pierre paul you too Hey everyone, it's Tom again. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode and if you want to support Pierre Paul with his plunge in those frigid waters, if you just Google up Plunge X, as one word, Plunge X, or Plunge X Special Olympics, you will find the site where you can support Pierre Paul and you can put in his name, Pierre Paul Tourjean, and you will find him on there. And that's how you can do that. You can also check out more about Pierre Paul's workshops at his website, which is, oh, hold, hold on, I lost the website. want to give you the right website. Give me one second. Old, 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 not sorry. The website is multifamilyinvestingcanada.com. That's www.multifamilyinvestingcanada.com. That's it for this episode of the show. Until next time, your life, your terms.